0: You're listening to The Jeff Fisher Show. Now, do you hold the door open when you're at the door first and a female is coming? Maybe even a male, Uh, but for sure a female, because that's what you've been bred to do, right? Or at least what used to be bred to do. Well, a new study claims that there are two very different types of sexism. Of course there is. That can be detected among men with each form being distinguished by certain verbal and nonverbal expressions. And, oh, my gosh, I can see where this is going. These two types of biases, uh, hostile sexism and benevolent sexism. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Posting that sexism isn't always accompanied by nasty or negative treatment. (laughs) Ha, Men who put women on a pedestal may be a wolves in sheep clothing, hindering gender equality. Yeah. How dare you put women on the pedestal? How dare you? The study titled Nonverbal and Verbal Expressions of Men's Sexism in Mixed-Gender Interactions and published in the Journal of Sex Roles involved 27 pairs of male and female university-age students. The levels of sexism for the men were determined after giving them a test called the Ambivalent sexism index. Oh my gosh, do I want to take that test? Is it linked on here? No. <laughs> well, <laughs> no. The test called the Ambivalent Sexism Index, which asked them to respond to a series of questions that helped figure out whether they embraced more of a hostile or benevolent form of sexism. Look. Look. Study is especially interesting in that it presents the notion that positive attention can also, at least in the eyes of some, be a form of sexism. Oh, really? Which is a point that uh, Judith Hall of Northeastern University wanted to be sure we made hey, that point, Judith. Well, but now, that sexism is a wolf in sheep's clothing that perpetuates support of gender inequality among women at an interpersonal level. Ugh. These supposed gestures of good faith may entice women to accept the status quo in society because sexism literally looks welcoming, appealing, and harmless. Maybe just maybe. Judith Hall of Northeastern University, uh that's because it uh it's okay. It's okay to put women on a pedestal? Maybe. Yeah, maybe maybe why women kind of like it, and they, it appeals to them, and they believe that it's harmless. It's possible, right? It is possible. But having told you that story, then I read, study finds that there are too many studies. <laughs> I wonder why there's too many studies. Because they give out study money like it's going, like it's out of style. I, I have been a big believer and a fan of study money forever. Now studies, we we may have talked about this before. I'm sure we have because it's it's a, it's a little near and dear to my heart. But study, you have to produce something. If you get study money for whatever, you get study money for kid do toenails grow three inches long if they if you drink if you actually drink put Jello every day. Remember remember the days of Jello helps fingernails grow. I don't know if you remember that, but I do, and uh. Now I'm gonna get I'm gonna get emails. Jeff, yep, it really does. If you just drink jello juice, it'll make your fingernails and toenails stronger and longer. Okay, I got it. However, you get study money for that. Now you have to produce something at the end of that. You have to produce, hey, this is what happened. We followed so many people. As we talked in this study, it talked about how many people she followed and how many questioned and who was involved. You've got to document all of that. And that's part of getting that study money. Grant money is what you want if you can get grant money is huge because you don't have to produce crap for grant money. You get grant money. It's like you get a grant to study if toenails get longer and stronger by drinking Jello. And we have well, we got grant money because we're not sure if it's strawberry banana Jello juice or if it's or if it's the grape juice Jello or if it's the uh, pinnuckleberry juice jelly. And, you know, stop it! But but first of all, you don't have to produce anything. You get grant money. You did. What happened? Well, yeah, we, we haven't come to a conclusion yet. What did you do with the eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars? Well, we were spending on the study, uh, and we've you know we've got people drinking Jello, and uh, we spent a lot of money on Jello. <laughs> yeah, we spent a lot of money on regular on Jello, the brand name. We spent a lot of money on the generics and uh, the store brands, and we wanted to see if there was a difference and uh one you know we had 400 girls and they were drinking uh jello three times a day and their nails grew uh 1.2 inches uh, in uh in 12 months and we're not sure of those because the girls that drink strawberry banana jello uh weren't quite as good as the girls who drank just the strawberry jello i mean that but you don't have to really produce anything because it's grant money Eh, what happened man eh, i haven't figured it out yet we could sure use some more money though to figure it out because we spent a lot of money on Jello. Well, that's that's great. So anyway, uh, growing number of scientific studies. Uh, yeah, uh, making it harder for researchers to keep track of all their content. Yeah, no kidding. Our research suggests that the decay is accelerating in recent times, signaling that papers are forgotten more quickly. Uh, yeah, that's why they're not forgotten. What happens is is that one thing they claim one thing, and then you get another study that claims the exact opposite. So then you have dueling studies, and then, oh my gosh, we need another study because we have dueling studies on this. It's a never-ending cycle. Over the past years, thanks to the internet, a huge amount of data has allowed a thorough investigation of the dynamics of collective attention to online content, ranging from news stories to videos to memes. Here, attention is measured by the number of users, views, visits, posts, downloads, tweets. It's also noted that the attention decays over time, not only because... Novelty fades, but because the human capacity to pay attention to new content is limited. No. Well, I mean, it sure appears that way, but that's their study. The human capacity to pay attention to new content is limited. The conclusion? It's harder to isolate the most relevant information. Thank you. Did you know, did you know that it is Women's History Month? Did you know that? I got me th- when I talk about our you know the sexism uh, either way uh you know whether you're whether you're nice or mean uh you know I mean benevolent sexism is a wolf in sheep's clothing we all learned that from Judith Hall of Northeastern University but it is women's month women's history month and uh I had this sent to me and it's from wall builders david barton site and it talks about three great women now tell me Would you hold the door open for one, two, or all three of these women? Would you hold the door open for them? Would you say, hey, that's very nice of you. Go in. Uh, I'm right behind you. And then we'll sit down and we'll talk. And we'll have a conversation. Oh, I think that might be – I might be a wolf in sheep clothing because she might like me holding the door open for her. Abigail Adams. Through her poor health kept her from receiving a formal education, Abigail rose above this, teaching herself to master several areas of study, including even learning a foreign language. She was the close confidant of her husband, John Adams. He trusted her counsel and relied on her for sound military intelligence information as well as political guidance. She was an excellent businesswoman, faithful wife, devoted mother, first woman to live in the White House. She was the wife of one U.S. president and the mother of another. She was also a strong and outspoken Christian, leaving behind a rich legacy in her extensive personal writings. Would you say, after you? Hold the door open for her. Florence Nightingale. Born into a wealthy English family, Florence Nightingale went against society's expectations to fulfill God's divine call of service on her life. Famous for her nursing work on the battlefield, she left a legacy, transforming the health standards not only in England, but elsewhere. In fact... The President of the United States consulted her for advice during the Civil War. Author of 17 books and numerous articles, she worked relentlessly to better the hospital industry and health care and to train nurses to care for the sick. Would you say Florence after you? Now, after you. We'll sit down inside. Go ahead. Let me get the door for you. And Susanna Wesley. The hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. From her post as the mother of a busy household in the Epworth rectory, Susanna Wesley trained up a generation that would change the world. She provided the well-regulated primary education for her 10 children that lived past infancy. Two of these children, John and Charles, would become influential even across the Atlantic, helping found the Methodist movement in America. She is known as the mother of Methodism. Would you hold the door open for any one of these women? And the answer is yes, but that would mean that you are a wolf in sheep's clothing because that's benevolent sexism, according to Judith Hall of Northeastern University. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network.